Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. From our financial life, to our relationships, to our kids and our health, we're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family, and in every episode, we consider the research and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. I'm Jennifer Owens. I write about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And on most days, I'm joined by my co-host, Raquel Ellison. On this episode of The Breadwinners, I'm joined by Amber Briggle, small business owner, mom of two, community volunteer, and increasingly a well-known speaker and advocate for transgender rights. Amber is helping her son navigate the often binary world of boys and girls while also challenging gender stereotypes. She and her husband were founding members of the Human Rights Campaigns, Parents for Transgender Equality Council, and Amber served on the state board of the League of Women Voters of Texas. All of which is to say, welcome, Amber. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for having me. I'm so, I'm just so delighted. Anyone who wants me to talk about my kids, like, I'm happy to talk about my kids (laughs) all day long. So thank you. Well, and that's the, you know, okay, I, I was going to start with this idea of like talking about the stats. I'm already off off the script. <laughs> so you did this wonderful TED Talk, mm-hmm. which we will link to in the show notes, of course. But one of the, one of the things that struck me the most, and I'm going to ask you, tell you a little bit about your background and your story of your family, mm-hmm. but is that your response of being like not being aggressively girly and all that, I would have, that would have been my response too. So to get back on script, the Trevor Project says 1.8% of youth are identified as transgender and they say it's often an unreported number. And we can, I can make assumptions as to why, but I thought what a special number. And so what does that number mean to your family? What does it mean when someone says to you, hey, I'm not feeling super girly and your feminism kicks in? Tell me the whole story. Oh, man. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's an evolution, right? So like, you know, when my son told me at the age of two that he was a boy, at that time, I thought he was right. still a girl. That's what I right? right? Yeah. And and this was, so he's 12 now. So this was 10 years ago, Jennifer. Like, no one was talking about the transgender yeah. community. Like the, 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 you know, conservative right was all like their big fight 10 years ago was to fight against marriage equality. Like that was their thing. Right, right. And then when marriage equality was finally legalized by the Supreme Court in, in what was it, 2015, I want to say, um, they, they lost that battle. And so they turned their target towards, you know, the next quote unquote enemy, which was, which was really? the, the trans community, right? So, I mean, really, yeah. like that's really when we started as a country talking about the trans community. And it was a lot of like fear and misinformation and like, you know, like this, like boogeyman lurking in women's bathrooms, like, you know, you know what I mean? And, and, and certainly no one was talking about trans kids. Right. So my son, so Max is his name. He's amazing. Um, He's a gender cool champion. I'd love if you could link to that too. But um, so he, he socially transitioned when he was six, almost seven. In, in halfway through first grade. That was in 2015, right? So before marriage equality was legal, before we were talking about the trans community, it was before Jazz Jennings show came out, before yep. American Academy of Pediatrics came out with their, you know, peer-reviewed best practices on working with, you know, transgender kids. We, we were winging it, right? Like we had, we had no idea. We had no idea what we were doing. We just knew that what we currently were doing was not helping him. 
And Mm -hmm. I stopped, you know, listening to the fear and started following my heart and following his words and his direction. And he transitioned. Uh, And what that means, you know, for a, a child who's six, almost seven, you know, we're not talking about, you know, you know, gender affirmation surgery, like we're talking about like pronouns, you know, the way that they dress, their name, yep. you know, stuff like that. So all so so when I hear that 1.8% of kids today, like the CDC, you know, estimates that about 2% of, you know, the American, of American high schoolers are transgender, like that, that number, I suspect is actually probably bigger than it, yeah. it really is because we're just we're just now kind of really starting to understand what this means as a country. I think we're talking about this more. I think being transgender today, it, this of course me looking at this with my cisgender lens. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think it, it's generally more accepted today to be transgender culturally than it was you know, four or five, six years ago when hardly anyone was talking about it. And I think that's really remarkable. It really shows the resiliency of the transgender community and how powerful visibility is. Because what have we also experienced in the last four or five years? The Trump-Pence administration, which has, yeah. you, know, you know, directly and systematically attacked the trans community. And yet, you know, we are so loved by our community here in Texas, where I live, uh, then, you know, my son is, is, is far more he's happier today than he was, you know, pre-transition. We feel more protected today than we did when we first came out publicly as a trans-inclusive family. And I just really think that that show, shows the resiliency of the trans community. And, I, and I'm, I'm hopeful that as we continue to have these conversations, more and more children will feel comfortable, you know, yeah. talking, to their, talking to their parents about this, talking to their, their teachers about this. I mean, 78% of LGBTQ youth are not out to their parents. If you can't, mm. if you can't talk to your mom about this, like, yeah. can you talk to, you know what I mean? And so I'm, right. I'm really hopeful that as we lift up these stories of these, like, resilient, amazing trans people, like, including my son Max, that that, that, that number actually will probably grow, not because, you know, we're turning kids trans right like like, right, like, right. like say, but just because we're making room in our society to have these sorts of conversations and make it and, and have the language for it because that, exactly. that's what yeah. struck me other than you know totally the idea of that you were advocating but that moment that little moment like that's my language in my heart if if max had come to me would be immediately like no i get it yeah brats girls they yeah. suck yeah, you know totally. yeah. that's, not, that's not a good you know representation mm-hmm. of women i'll help you mm-hmm. you know and, and i think that you've taken a step you know, like of understanding and comprehension it's like no no i i have like three more steps to go i'm gonna bring it down my way mom right come on right and that's, I'm down that's exactly right and so you know he never he was never interested in my little pony or painting his fingernails or doing his hair and bright like ne- he was never interested in that and so i was really trying again because we didn't have the language to talk about this, yeah i was really trying to find a way just to get my kid dressed and out the door in the morning don't brush your hair just put something on and and I didn't realize what I know now that I didn't know back then is that there is a really there's a difference between gender expression and gender identity and so when I you know when I when I gave him that space to cut his hair off you know when I when I was like took him to the thrift store and acting like a millionaire and I'm like you can buy anything you want <laughs> And he like picked out like Spider-Man shirts and basketball shorts. And I'm like, cool, you know, like, 
you know, I thought that was kind of our happy medium. That was going to be our compromise. Like, he, yeah, he could be a very, it. like, boyish yeah. girl. It's very tomboy. I run my business. Thanks, sweetie. Yeah, <laughs> right? And so, I, I mean, I really thought that was where we were going to land. But it's just, you know, once he got to school and everything was so hypergendered, boys over here, girls over here, boys and girls, listen up, you know, like, Mr. Yeah. and Mrs. so-and-so teacher. Like, it just, everything just got, like, amped way up. And so it was, that's what, you know, halfway through first grade, he's just like, nope, I, I can't do this anymore. So, and that's when he transitioned. And my goodness, of course, you want to protect your kids at, at you know, make a buffer around them at every, at every moment. And to send, send your children into the wild is always fraught. So I'm making a, an assumption jump here, but is that where the advocacy starts? Is just, I, and tell me your advocacy story. Well. So, so my advocacy story is, I, this, I mean, in less than 20 minutes, it's a journey, right? Like, I, I like to say that I, I transitioned, too. Yeah. You know, I was raised in the 80s when, you know, the AIDS crisis was tearing through the gay community. And we were ta- I was taught as a child that basically the lives of gay men were not worth saving. We just did not value. Yep. And, it, and, it, and it's, it's horrible. It's just. It is a stain on our nation that we did not do more for the gay community, you know, during the AIDS crisis. Then in the 90s, right, when I was a teenager, you know, the the funniest character on Saturday Night Live was Pat, right? This, like, very gender fluid, you know, and we all thought as a country that this was, like, the most, like, not knowing Pat's gender identity was both hilarious and infuriating for us as a country. And I look look on that, I'm like, I cannot believe that, that I, was fun. That, yeah, right. They made a freaking movie out of, I mean, um, they made a movie out of this. Like there, there was money to be had by making fun of, of gender diverse people. And so this is, so this is the, the background that I grew up in. Right. Yep. And yep. I yeah, grew up in a very small town, Northern Wisconsin. Everyone looked like me, worshiped like me, ate the same damn foods. Like we were all the same, you know? <laughs> and I admit I was not an an ally, certainly not an advocate to the LGBTQ community, just because I hadn't really thought that that community mattered, yep. right? Yeah. Then when your son starts saying, well, when you think it's your daughter saying, I'm a boy, you really have to, you really have to do some deep soul searching because it is, it is hard to hate up close. Mm. It really, and it, it was so, it was such a challenge for me as his, as his mom trying to find the resources that I needed to support him. Because again, like this was when he first said those words, he was two and a half, this was 10 years ago. There was nothing out there. And the more insistent and persistent and consistent he was about this, the more and more I started really trying to dig in and find what I needed. And it just, Jennifer, it just wasn't out there. And Mm. so, but I knew that I had to do something. And so he transitioned halfway through first grade Nothing about him significantly had changed except for his pronouns. We didn't make it a big deal. Yeah. It was a year later, though, when a man who was running for sheriff here in my county said a really awful thing on a public Facebook post about what he would do to a trans woman if she walked into a bathroom. And I, you know, I usually scroll past a lot of crap right. you see online, but I was like, no, I do not care if you are the next sheriff of my county. You do not attack the trans community because when you do that you attack my kid and my mama bear claws will come out and i will will cut you and so i so i commented on this and i was like well 
hold on now. And I actually I actually voted in the Republican primary in 2016 specifically, not specifically, but in large part so that I could vote for him because I wanted a change of the old guard. And I really thought he was going to be different. And then yeah. he, he broke my heart a month later with this post. Anyway, he, he didn't he didn't back down, of course, because he's, you know, big, tough, you know, yeah, uh, sheriff right. guy, you know, didn't back down. So I called the news. I'm like, no, like you will be held accountable for this. What, what I didn't anticipate is that the news would want to hear both sides of the story. So they wanted to talk to us next. And so we made it real clear. We're like, we're not going to say his name. We're not going to show his face. You're not going to show the outside of the house. You know, like, I'll talk about yeah. me. Like, let's talk about my reflections as a mom. And I really want to try hard to protect him. Well, this was, you know, this was 2016. This was like, no one was talking really about trans kids. And all of a sudden, like, we just blew up. I mean, like, mm-hmm. like everyone, yeah. want, everyone wanted to talk to us. And I won't get into the whole long story about, you know, what happened next. But that was in April. By the end of that year, I had already invited the uh, the Attorney General of Texas and packed oh, to my home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, 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 this is good. This is a good start. But, but by the end of that year, I had already invited him to dinner. He came. I was nominated for Texan of the Year uh, by the Dallas Morning News be- because of those efforts. I had been invited to join the Human Rights Campaign and start their Parents for Transgender Equality Council. And by the end of the year, I was at the White House with the Obamas and Luke Skywalker watching a Star Wars movie in the in the first family's theater as a way to thank me and others. I was with a group for our as you do. bowling Just in, in eight months. In right? oh, did you go in the bowling alley too? No, I didn't get to go in the bowling alley. No. <laughs> the Nixon bowling no, alley? I'm, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for Kamala to invite me to the bowling alley. Okay, right, years. right. Yeah, Let's so, put that out there so that, on our vision board. <laughs> <laughs> it was 2021 is my goal. So, no, so, I mean, so that all happened in eight months and, and it was really, wow. yeah, it was, it was like a whirlwind. And so now, you know, I really, and I want to make clear, I'm not really an exceptional person. I'm a mom. And I was, my family was thrust into this, not necessarily because we are so exceptional, but because we were just one of the first. Really, it was just kind of a timing sort of thing, an accident. And here we yeah. are. And I really want to use this, this, this voice that I have, this privilege that I have. I'm a small business owner. No one's going to fire me from my job for having a kid. Unfortunately, <laughs> like that, <laughs> unfortunately, that happens. You know, parents like can't be out about their kids at work because they're they're afraid that they're you know, marriages right. are going to make it harder for them. I've got the privilege of, you know, like I've got like, I'm good. Like I'm going to use this space. I'm a, I'm a white cisgender college educated minivan driving Texas mom in a straight passing relationship. Like I'm super relatable. Right. And so like, I try to use this space to like, you know, lift up trans voices. And it's a really weird balance because I don't want to make myself central to this because I am yeah, yeah. not trans, but I'm really trying to reach out to parents and people who want to be better allies, you know, because that's, I, I can relate, like, it's hard, it's confusing, you don't know what you're doing. But here's what I know that my kid needs, can you help, you know, so. And you just want them to get their dang shoes on and yeah, get to school. You know, I mean, they're, they're sitting in the, in the, uh, the movie theater at the White House. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. It's like, stop kicking the chair in front of right. your kid. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's Luke Skywalker. Focus on the movie now. Like, this is fun. Like, don't you get your thumbs on the floor at the White House. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, no, we don't throw that on the floor at the White House, kid. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> exactly. Relatable. Relatable. Right. So, um, yeah, so the, the dinner, did you want to hear about that with? Oh my God. Yes. Ken okay. So, so yes. Tell me all about okay. this guy, Ken Paxton. Yeah. So Ken Paxton is the, the attorney general of Texas. He's arguably my son's biggest threat to equality. 
he's the one who sued the Obama wow. administration um, over their transgender uh, guidelines for for kids in public schools. Uh, had those guidelines rescinded, you know, just really not, yeah. really not actively a, going against actively, your yeah, things. really yeah. not a great guy. So I uh, I got an invitation to him <laughs> through a reporter who came to talk to us, uh, and she's like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to Ken Paxton later today. Do you have anything you want to say?" And this was right after the you know we had we like the trans community had like lost that lawsuit and Ken Paxton had won. And yeah. so I, yeah, so I had some words, like, I want to be like, yeah, can you punch me in the face? But I decided, I was like, I, you know, you're a woman from Northern right? Wisconsin yeah. and has children and a small business and yeah. you refrain. Yeah. We yeah. understand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm a Unitarian Universalist and I, I really try to approach things with love. It's all about yeah. inclusion and love. And so I said, you know, can you invite him over to dinner? Because I think if he had a chance to meet. Max, he'd realize that he's really not a threat in the bathroom. He's not the right? threat in the ladies' room that you seem to think. No, exactly. <laughs> and so, so she did. So she asked him. So she meets him on the street. She's like, you know, you know, hey, General Paxton, like your thoughts on the lawsuit today. And so, you know, and he's talking about blah blah blah, and you know, and and she's like, there's a family in Denton. Do you, you know, who wants to meet with you? You know, they've got a trans kid. Would you, would you meet with them? And he's like, oh, sure, I'll meet with anyone. And then he continues on with his, you know, spiel about how he's like this great, you know. Victor for you know poor women in bathrooms or whatever, and and I was like, wait, did he say yes? Like no one was paying attention to the part where he said yes. Like <laughs> so, I get on Twitter and I was like, did you all hear this? And then the next day, his his office called and and said, oh, so I I hear we're coming to dinner, and I was like, me too. Like let's set the thing. So, so he came. What do you mean, we? Right. So he came. He lives um one county over, which in Texas terms is, is practically next door. So okay. he and his wife came with an entourage of like big men in dark suits with big guns. Like it was weird, weird. Came into my home and she brought a dessert. She's now a state senator. She That's delightful. Yeah, I love she, she made a homemade dessert. And it was and honestly, Jennifer, it was lovely. Like when you get to yeah. when you when you yeah. set aside the politics and the cameras and get one on one with people, it's relatable, you know? And yeah. I really what's that? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's one of the things in specifically in the LGBTQ arena is that, well, but my friend is OK. You know, and it was it was stitching all that together yeah. that like helped move that other than also great advocating and politicking and all that. But there is a bit of like, yeah, I, I hate them, but my friend is OK. Yeah. So, and so I you know, like, yeah, like like let's talk to like a real live trans kid. At one point we were washing up for dinner. And and Max and and Attorney General Paxton are in the bathroom together washing their hands. And I'm just, you know, chatting away to the both of them. And and Ken Paxton turns around and looks at me. He's like, you know, this is nice. It's been a while since I've, you know, been around kids this age because he's got a he's daddy's got, I don't know, three, four or five kids. And and, uh, and he's like, this is nice. It's been a while since I've been around kids. This yeah. age. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, are you kidding me? You are currently in a bathroom with a transgender child. And, and it's nice. And it's fine. Are you like <laughs> you are you kidding me? And I was like, sure, let's go sit down and eat. And I'm just seething inside. I'm like, I cannot believe this stuff. Anyway, dinner, it was fine. We kept him for two and a half hours. It was lovely. He left. It was he promptly forgot all about my son. And I really, you know, I really thought that we would have been able to reach him as an individual. Yeah. But instead, what we did is we elevated the conversation nationwide. And when at the end of the day, He's just one man, 
and he works for us. And so I feel like that dinner, though it didn't have the outcome we had hoped for, had a better outcome. And I'm very grateful for that. I I don't regret having him over for dinner, but I I do wish he would have been more receptive. Like like the cause and effect would have been more direct. So, well, it's National Transgender Awareness Week when we're talking. Mm -hmm. I think we're still in it right now. Yes, it goes uh, November 13th through the 19th annually. And on November 20th is Transgender Day of Remembrance. So mark your calendars. It happens every year. Yeah. This is a busy week for you, I <laughs> would assume. So yes, what's going on? It is, yes. And it's busy for me every year. So I, uh, I organized a panel. It was fantastic. I do it every year through my church. It's just a, a transgender awareness panel. And in previous years, it's always been face-to-face. We invite the whole community. I start the panel with a few questions. Uh, then, you know, people in the audience can submit questions, you know, like, like a panel. Yeah. This year we did it online, obviously. I uh, can't, can't be face to face. And it was fantastic. I had um, Stella Keating, who's another gender cool champion, along with Max. She um, is this like budding, aspirational um, politician, future president of the United States, podcast host herself. She's amazing. Yeah. Uh, talking politics, I had Gavin Grimm, who sued his Virginia high school for his right to use the bathroom when he transitioned. His case was set to be heard at the Supreme Court before it was passed down to the lower courts. Uh, I had a two-spirit individual from South Dakota who's just, I mean, the people in South Dakota are just doing amazing things fighting back these anti-transgender bills that keep popping up in their state, le- state legislature, which is, you know, super majority Republicans. I think in the yep. Senate, they've got like 30 Republicans and only five Democrats, and they still keep beating all these bills because they're just so well organized in South Dakota. Anyway, I had uh, I had them I had them on the show, and then I had a, a trans man from my from my own church who joined us, and it was amazing. It was a two hour event. It was fantastic. I helped plan a church service that morning uh, where we had a, a transgender minister, Baptist minister from Canada, speak with us. It was just it's fantastic, and and I'm really happy that the more the longer that I get involved in this, the less and less I need to do. Because more and more trans voices are being amplified and oh, that's awesome. in this conversation. So it's been very busy for me, but actually less busy than previous years. And for that, I'm very grateful. Yeah. Well, we, and so where is, where is the effort that you're working on now? Like, where's the fight for, for you and your family? Yeah, I'm looking forward to 20. I'm not looking. I mean, I'm looking forward to 2021. Yay, vaccine and Biden. Yay. Yay. Um, but I'm not <laughs> looking forward to 2021. Because the Texas legislature is going to be reconvening. So we, our state legislature convenes every two years for 140 mm-hmm. days. The only thing that they have to do is pass a damn budget. But they always try and break everything. Like squeeze something awful in. Yeah. yeah. So um, we did not in Texas uh, flip the Texas House as we had anticipated. I think Texas is solidly purple, which is fantastic. Thanks to gerrymandering and voting suppression, we did not get as many seats turned over in the Texas House as we had hoped for. So we're going to be we're going to be looking at fighting these anti LGBTQ bills, which will be filed. There's there's there have been 46 or so bills filed in state legislatures across the country thus far, specific to uh, trans youth, whether it's you know not allowing them to play on sports teams that align with their gender identity, or yeah. the real scary ones are the ones that will criminalize transitional health care for trans youth and and make their pediatricians. Yeah, felons. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that is terrifying. So uh, we will be seeing bills. Both of those bills I anticipate will be seen here in Popping Texas. Yeah, as, it, yeah, another state. yeah. Exactly. As well as stripping away, you know, if cities, there's a handful of cities here in Texas that have passed 
equality ordinances at the local level. And so we're always fighting that every year. The, the state always wants to strip those away, which is hilarious and infuriating because it's all about local control here in Texas. And then they're going to paint a box. Until we don't like the way yeah, you're controlling. Exactly. Right. So, so I am going to be busy starting January through May trying to, to you know, mobilize and, and organize. with these things, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, and you know that they all think that they're the first one, like they're being sneaky. That's it. They, you know, like, it, it, like, dude, it's the same legislation the other county tried to do. Right. We see you. We see you, know? you. Exactly. Yeah. So I'll, you know, and all my free time between, you know, my, my children who are still doing online school and trying to rebuild my massage business when you can't keep six feet apart during a pandemic, I will also <laughs> be trying to, you know, save trans youth from certain doom so yeah you know so it just it just yeah, keeping yeah, your yeah. Just, a couple of things yeah. going on and wine so. that would be great so. <laughs> <laughs> well i think that what we'll we'll put links in i'm going to ask you to send me stuff that yeah, we can include it. so like know where to go to to watch for these bills in their own backyards if that's you know if that's a thing that they can look for yeah that'd be awesome yeah so yeah. i'll send you some stuff thank you for joining us on the breadwinners our guest today was Amber Briggle. You'll find links to what we're talking about, links to stuff you should learn about in the episode description wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit us anytime at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com to ask a question, share your story, offer some feedback. How are you making it work? We'd love to know. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review it. It helps us grow. Let us know what you think about the breadwinners. Help us tell the stories that mean the most to you. And until next week, Keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.